Honestly, Asian Greeks? Hey, this is Vigor Lamb. In our next episode, I will host our podcast from Kappa Phi Lambda's La Rock Task Force to discuss intimate partner violence and sexual assault within AEGLOs. Please note that this episode contains depictions of death, violence, murder, and sexual violence that is disturbing. If you want to avoid this content, please skip the beginning of the episode as Anne describes the reason and naming of The Rock. Hi everybody, welcome to our third episode with the La Roque Task Force. My name is Vigor Lamb. I use he, him pronouns, and I'm your co-host for this episode, or your host. Um, I am currently um, wearing a button-up shirt that's multicolored. Um, I have short hair that's um, styled, and I'm wearing blue, light, blocking glasses. I am a masculine-presenting man with dark skin, and I'm wearing AirPods. Um, well, not AirPods, they're, they're wired. So let's have our guests introduce themselves, um, please. Let's start. I can jump in. Hi, folks. Uh, my name is Jamie Drapeza. My pronouns are they, she, and sha. As for how I look, I look like a very cute version of my Filipino mom. <laughs> Thanks, mom, for the face. Um, wearing a yellow Black Lives Matter floral shirt, also with some back in some blue light glasses. Um, and happy to be here. Yeah, hi everyone. Um, my name is Cheyenne Tang. Um, I am a small Chinese American girl. <laughs> I use she, her pronouns. And I'm also wearing blue light glasses. I have some AirPods and I'm wearing a Adidas cropped hoodie with the three stripes going down the sleeves. Um, yeah. <laughs> Hey everybody, my name is uh, Anna Guerrero and I go by she, her pronoun. Um, I am currently wearing a long sleeve, I think it's Under Armour right now. I have long hair. I'm Filipino, so dark hair, but the ends of my hair is brown, blonde, I think. I'm wearing AirPods and I'm wearing shorts because I'm in Texas. So it's like 80 something degrees here. Wow. I'm relishing in it because we had that snowstorm three weeks ago. So, yep. Thanks for introducing yourselves. So, the Rogue Task Force, what is, um, you know, to my understanding and what Capify Lambda Sorority has put out, as you all are members of, um, is a task force that serves to organize sisters committed to ending intimate partner violence and sexual assault in our community. So, please tell our listeners more about why the task force was created and why it's named La Roque. Trigger warning, this content that you're about to hear depicts death, violence, murder, and assault. Yeah, so I can answer that. And so um, to all your points, you're correct as to why we created this task force. Um, I just want to give like a little backstory of who Larock or where the name Larock started from. And so Larock is actually um, the nickname for Sunny Kim. Uh, she's actually my big sister. And what occurred was, you know, she was actually unjustly killed by her partner. 
And so using with this initiative, we are actually going, we are in memory of her spreading ways and providing a message of how to get out there with survivors. Um, for people that don't know what actually happened, um, it's it's kind of a gruesome story and it's it's a little bit insane and kind of unreal. Um, and so I'll tell you this quickly. So Sunny, uh, I believe she was in 2015, she was living in um, South Korea. And so um, in May actually of 2015, she was actually um, murdered by her boyfriend. We'll go by Lee, That's, I've never met him, um, but I, I know other sisters that have, but anyways, um, her boyfriend Lee actually strangled her to death. And eventually what happened was that um, he ended up burying, not burying her, I mean, um, actually taking her body and putting her in a suitcase and then burying her at the top of a hill. And what occurred after that was he actually put some type of, he put some type of cement and some type of chemical on top of that suitcase to mask the scent of the body. So, you know, when the corpse is actually disintegrated, you know, animals won't smell it and so on and so forth. Uh, so eventually after that, um, you know, he actually pretended to be her. I actually texted at the time that he had her phone. It's kind of weird, um, very weird. But anyways, I don't. he never really answered because of course he didn't know English. And so eventually what happened moving forward was that it was, um, you know, people were getting um, suspicious about her disappearance because that same day she actually um, accepted a job offer with a university to be a teacher or some something like that. And after that, when Lee ended up taking um, her phone, she basically messaged that employer, that new employer that, hey, don't contact me, I'm going back to the US. Of course, you know, that sends off red flags to everybody. And eventually after that, he knew that police is, you know, closing in on him and he pretended that he was kind of suicidal. And he kind of, this is my thought, disclaimer, he, he pretended to be, well, he didn't pretend, he actually cut his wrist. And so um, he ended up going to police and confessing everything. But in the end, um, he used that um, being, he used that, used him being sympathetic as a way to decrease his, um, his sentence. At the end, overall, I think he was sentenced for about 30 years as the outcome. Um, don't quote me on that because I can't speak Korean. Um, that's what I hear. Um, think, um, I'm happy he's in jail. However, I don't think that's enough at the end. Um, I mean, he'll get out 50, 50, 60 years old. Not sure if he can have parole. I don't know how the Korean justice system works, but if that's the case, I mean, of course, I want to fight against it because it's a dear friend to all of us. And she was such a fantastic, generous, charismatic type of sister. And she was always there for everyone and especially the ones she cared for. She, she protected, you know, sisters.
And so, yeah, that's, I think that's, you know, where really taking her personality and then also what happened to her as a, a message to everybody that, hey, as much as you're a survivor, this happened to you, don't be ashamed to come out and talk about it because that shouldn't be something you should be, you, you should worry about as a, as a survivor that, that should be the last thing you should worry about what people think about you, you know? It's about your safety, number one. Your safety, your mental health, yourself. And I think that's what this whole initiative is really pushing forward. Yeah, thank you, Anna. I appreciate you so much. Um, Sorry if I talked a lot. <laughs> no, girl, you're here for it. Here for it. And like, to add on to the question figure, so we knew that in 2015, like Sunny's laws like impacted the sorority through since then. Um, and then for the task force itself, uh, we were actually born out of um, this past summer, 2020, when we saw a rise of Me Too stories coming up in the Asian Greek community of many folks, majority of them, like sisters or members of sororities um, sharing their stories of sexual assault or intimate partner violence, predominantly like, on campus. Um, and then how like I'm coming into the mix, whereas like I've always been in forms of leadership in Kappa, but as, as a healer, as a survivor, and as a sister, you know, this really impacted about like, we have to do more. Like we know that this happens and we know like hearing from the stories about sisters who wish they had a place to go to um, and wanting Kappa to be one of those places where we can provide at least the, some res a resource, if not a piece of knowledge, not a, someone that you can talk to to say that like we, we can we can stand with you. I'm so sorry that um, so many of us had, had suffered alone. Um, so you know, threw this proposal out. Um, our national leadership approved it <clears throat> as immediately as they could. Um, and so what you're looking at uh, for today is like a third of our, our nine-person task force, a combination of actives and alumni uh, from across the country um, from various years. Um, some of us identify as survivors and some of us identify as allies and really coming together to say like, you know, we agree like this needs to end. And that's why our mission is to end like sexual assault, uh, intimate partner violence, but for all of us, because um, we know we could start here at Kappa. And really wanna be, encourage our, our communities to do the same, to really say like, not just no to the harm, no to the violence, but also like, let's really intentionally center ourselves on, on creating healing and creating more positivity and creating our spaces as safe spaces. Um, and yeah, that's where, that's where it comes up for me. Um, and yeah, I'm proud to like have this space. I'm really proud of folks who are you know, coming on to, to speak with, to, for us to speak together about what brought us here and really hopeful that this uh, episode like brings that awareness um, that we're hoping to change, um, starting with whoever's listening. Thank you for, for sharing that story, Anna, and thank you, Jamie, just for setting that stage for why this effort was created. And I think that's a good segue into some of the next questions I kind of want to ask you all as members of the task force. Um, 
first question, you know, and I think you have kind of mentioned a bit of this already, but what do you think is important for people to know? I think, excuse me, I think, I mean, I mentioned earlier, you know, that being judged shouldn't be one of the things you should worry about. Definitely do not worry about that for listeners out there. Do not have that as your first thing because I think that's the biggest blocker out there for survivors is what what my mom or dad would think about so on and so forth, that I got myself in this type of relationship or this type of incident. No, don't ever think that way because that itself if you start thinking that way, you start going down the road of mental harm or self-harm, really, and just goes down that road. Um, another thing is, I mean, I guess um, another important thing for people to know, really, is that there is a community out there for you that will hear you and will do something about it. And it, they are a safe haven for you to speak about your experience. And that's, and I think that's another fact that needs to be well known out there is that as a survivor, you're not alone. You're not by yourself. And I think oftentimes people think they're siloed and they're alone. No, you're not alone. You are surrounded by people that love you. You are surrounded by people who care you are not alone in this because we would rather you be safe, alive, than the opposite. Thank you. Cheyenne, do you have anything? Yeah, I think just seconding everything that was spoken about, I think the most important thing to me is just empowering others to speak about their experiences and confiding in people they trust because there is definitely a lot bigger community than people might think, and they will most likely receive a lot of support. And I think one of the hardest things about experiencing anything like this is the fear of being rejected by your community. And unfortunately, there have been examples of that happening. So I think that just reinforces the fear. But to me, like Anna just said, you know, it's much better to express yourself than have dire consequences instead. So yeah, to me, that's the biggest thing. Trigger warning, this content you're about to hear depicts gun violence, shootings, racism, and fetishism of Asian women. Yeah, and also, I think I also want to put us in context. So right now, the four of us are all Asian Americans, and we're gathering just a couple of days after this tragic Atlanta shooting, um, and this morning hearing of another shooting in Colorado. Um, and like knowing that for the Atlanta shooting, there has been a lot of conversations about Asian women being fetishized, or that this shooter felt that he was in his right um, to target multiple Asian communities, Asian businesses, and take lives, um, regardless of whether they were Asian or not, for the belief that oh, Asian women are 
temptations or like they are the fault, they are at fault for how I feel. And I think that, you know, as disgusting and saddening that logic is, like how true is that for so many people um, to believe that they are right in how they treat someone, regardless of how that person feels or what happens to that person, because they can be allowed to. And I think that sits at the heart of what we're why we're trying to end like sexual assault and gender-based violence and domestic intimate partner violence is that this is all leading back to okaying violence and saying that like we get our power and our safety from oppressing another person. And that needs to end. And I really hope that you know as folks have these conversations about how do we keep our community safe, um, how we're coming here to say like let's keep our community safe and let's start with our members protecting each other of like men choosing not to harm women, of women and folks choosing not to harm and to really think about ways where like, like where Anna and Chen were saying, like, I'd rather you be embarrassed about being wrong that like other was in a situation as opposed to making someone second guess what they're about to do and think about like, when did we, when did this matter so much that we couldn't, that we have to like second guess our community we want to bring back that unity aspect to our community. Thank you all for, for sharing and, and, and Jamie for bringing up the tragic events that happened in the past week. Um, I know as we were thinking about recording this, you know, it happened again and we're talking. So I really appreciate that, you know, you all are still here. I know that we're all processing what's happened while concurrently trying to advocate and bring awareness and something that I'm also thinking about as a, as a cis man is that I'm doing my own learning and unlearning about how to be more supportive um, of women, um, right? Even though, you know, I'm, I'm not hetero, but still, I'm still very much complicit sometimes to patriarchy. So understanding as a man, how can I be, um, be an advocate as well? So thank you for sharing. Um, I think the next question I want to ask to you, the three of you is, how is this experience in being part of the task force in your own lives? How, how has it impacted you and, and your or your peers? Um, For myself, yeah. I mean, oh, oh question. Um, I can kind of speak to my experience. Um, so for context, I'm currently an active member on campus. Um, I'm a fourth year student at Northeastern and I am the chapter president for um, our Kappa Phi Lambda chapter. And this experience, I think, you know, firstly, when I saw the email that this task force was being created without hesitation, I wanted to become a part of it. And I think that has really sparked um, my passion and drive to try, strive for impact on campus as well. And, you know, bringing the things that we're learning and discussing in the task force to the direct community that I'm involved in. And um, uh, I said this before, but I actually just hopped off a call for training um, for sexual assault training. And I think I'm really proud to be a part of this wider conversation and a very important conversation. And while it is tough as you know, a 22 year old just trying to live life to be thinking about these very heavy topics, I think of it more as an opportunity and growing learning experience because I'm learning, um, as we mentioned, I'm learning still. And I think it's just a great experience to be doing this with my sisters, with my community and with people who also care about things like this. 
So for me, the way, um, you know, it, it, it impacted me, it's really because, you know, when I saw this as a, I, I, when I saw this as an email and I saw LaRock Task Force, and of course, what jumped into my mind was my big, right? And from there, you know, flood of memories came back to me. And of course, what I wanted to do is help change something that's wrong in the world, you know, in her memory. And, you know, of course, all that stuff that happened, um, I, I was, I, all I wanted to do was just find a way to help her family. I think the whole sorority was find a way to help, you know, her, her family. And I think the next step was really, how can we use her name or just, you know, um, how, how to improve the world. And, and by this, you know, the Lorac Task Force, it's a way for me to really get out there and really have an impact um, with either the college students or just even your normal day-to-day -day person because I think what what happens is sometimes you know you have a thought in your mind and you feel like you're alone and sometimes you just need to hear maybe from a podcast or something that hey you're not alone you can survive this and so that's how it's impacted me and I really just want to help people out there and um and just, I do see this as a way to grow. Um, but one of the things, like I said, is really just helping people out there. Um, and I hope I can impact somebody out there one way or the other, even if it's just me talking or if you, I'm a very, I like people coming to me to talk. I'm a person-to-person uh, -person type of per uh, person. Like I like that, you know, face-to-face, not a uh, virtual, well, okay, virtual is okay to me because I could still, your, still see your faces and your reactions. But the whole, like, I like having that face-to-face -face conversation so I know how you react to how I talk to you and how I can impact you because certain, you know, body movements can give you that hint of, hey, this person is not taking this type of information or there's a different way that you can talk to them about their experience. Um, and so, yeah, hopefully, like I said, hopefully I'm impacting in one way. Jamie knows better. Nah, I mean, I appreciate y'all for really answering the call. I know for me, Anna, like, you know, I think I just met you that year, um, 2015. And oh. I remember like reaching out to you um, in per like on a one-on-one -on -one type, be like, hey girl, look, I know I'm using yeah. your big's name and just wanted to put you on. And I really appreciate you, you know, showing up and like really being an awesome person I was here. I'm really happy to like, you know, be with you on this, on this, on this mission to really honor Sunny and to make sure she lives on and not just her story, but just how awesome she was. Um I think it's uh no, the one this and another sister, um, Rona, too, who's also joined National Leadership. She's just like, Sunny would I want us to turn out. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to add that on the list. <laughs> that, like, yeah, like, she's also a sister, right? Like, she's like, we know how we do. We're like, yeah. And also, I appreciate mm -hmm. Cheyenne and all of our task force members who um, came through. Because for me, like, you know, building the space and just like, I hope people answer. And that I hope 
um, folks have, like y'all have been bringing, what everyone's been bringing, that like, I wanna do this, I know this works, and that we've made, or I've tried to make it a part of our task force to really be healing focus on us and to really just keep that sisterhood component on. Cause it's just like, mm-hmm. it's too easy to just dive into the work and just focus on pushing out products like this amazing website Shan has created um, or these amazing presentations that folks of our team have done. Um, but I really appreciate that it's also become just such an valuable sisterhood experience for us to really unite. None of us, almost none of us have seen it met each other before. Um, and what we're doing. And then again, to circle out on, on Vigor's question, like, honestly, like this task force led to me even having conversations with my mom about like, hey, you remember when you like taught me how to like walk like with Wolverine fit, like Wolverine keys when I go home at night? Um, just like she lost it when I like, you know, moved away to New York and so freed from my life and my safety. And I just thought back on like, you know, how much, you know, we're doing this in preparation for our peers and for future generations, and also just how much healing comes from talking to our own aunties, our moms, our grandmas, um, and older, like, you know, sisters and cousins about just how deep these, these expectations um, go, that, like, we will be a victim, or, like, we will be harmed, or, like, this will be a thing, and just how to really, like, break that cycle and break it together. Mm-hmm. I'm so amazed that this group is made up of alumni, current students, and you know, people on the national board. I think it's awesome that you all are brought together by this, and and not awesome at the same time, right? It's like you want this to end, but you're brought together because of this. And I hope, um, and uh, someday I'm also very much a people person or person to person, and I am very much Zoom fatigued. But I hope that one day, that you know, soon, hopefully, that we can have more in person, and you can all see each other and meet each other. Um, and you all brought this up, and I think most Jamie at the end, right, talking about some things that you all have done already, some amazing work that you've done. So next question for me to you all is, you know, what services, resources, or people um, helped you and or your peers in, in your, your your peers' healing? And what were some of those barriers um, to you or your peers coming forward? Um, I can speak a little bit on this. I think in terms of, you know, my own healing and my own coming forward with um, one of my experiences, I think just the sense of community really helped me. Um, You know, again, of course, all of this came about because of a pretty negative consequence or circumstance where over the summer, there were a lot of members of Asian American Greek um, letter organizations came forward with their own stories of instances and incidents of sexual assault. Um, So, you know, it was an unfortunate circumstance, but I think that it brought a lot of people together. And so it sparked me to speak publicly about one of my experiences. And I'm a very open person. I've already spoken to a lot of my peer, direct peers about it um, openly, again, because one of my main objectives is to prevent it from happening to anyone else. I would rather sacrifice my own, um, you know, dignity or shame in sharing something that was traumatic to me in hopes that it will help someone else. And so when I posted my story, um, the experience I shared about was actually not related to Greek life, but because, you know, so many people were sharing their stories and um, it empowered me to open up. And I was met with a lot of, you know, 
a lot of my peers were very supportive of me and they were very, they expressed that they were proud of me for sharing because even though it wasn't related to Greek life, it still shed light on the reality of the situation. And it still brought light to, you know, this can happen to anyone by anyone. And another kind of unfortunate thing that came from it, and it was a little overwhelming, was the amount of female identifying individuals who said, me too. And I think that was the biggest, you know, I wasn't shocked. I know the statistics. I know the numbers. It was just like to be the direct receiver of just this volume of women telling me, you know, like, thank you for speaking up because it's helped me heal and understand my experience. Well, again, I'm happy that I'm able to help someone. It was just, it broke my heart a little bit each time I saw one of those messages. Each time I opened my Instagram DM and it said, you know, same. And it was just so hard to hear that even though, you know, that was the goal of my post. Um, and, you know, with this, um, in regards to my peers, I think a few of my peers also shared their stories and they were more related to Greek life, but again, it helped us band together and try to kind of heal together instead of kind of mourning your experience alone. So I think that is the silver lining in all of this, that it does build a sense of community. So for me, um, I'm definitely agreeing with Cheyenne. A sense of community helped me with what I went through. Um, again, it's also outside of, you know, um, college and, you know, Greek life. But within military, I'll make this quick, but within military, I think sexual assault isn't just, or just domestic violence, all this incidents isn't isolated to just our community. It's spread out throughout each part of our, our lives. And so, I mean, I think that's why we all have some type of training through school, through work, and so on and so forth. And um, for me, just having friends around me um, helped me a lot uh, when things would happen. Um, and just then, just my friends being there or just that community being there, understanding without judgment. Um, help me through um, the experience. Um, even with what happened with Sunny too, the sorority itself helped me get through, you know, what happened to her, even though it wasn't my experience, but she it did hit home because she was somebody that we were all close to. I think that community served a purpose in just, you know, helping us heal. Absolutely. And I think that to close that out, like I'm really proud of our task force that one of like our first year initiatives was to launch a, a public site. Um, so not just for our sisters, but hoping to like really start a really contribute to the movement by having more orgs like really post their resources, like whether that's a hotline or even like a, a checklist about like how do we even have the conversation if to ask if somebody is okay. I'm really proud of our team putting in the work of finding things that aren't just useful but also like culturally competent and can really like speak to um what our members could be going through or what barriers they might be facing um and yeah anything that we can do just make that a little more easier um as you can hear from like what folks have shared 
um, that have that support um, and want to make sure that folks know where to find it. Yeah, thank you for sharing. And I think the resources about that is, is really powerful. Um, I think um, that's a good segue into like kind of the last kind of general question I have is what suggestions do you have um, to make it safer for survivors to come forward? I think that the, for, for me, in my opinion, it's a little tough to tackle because in, in whatever level you report your um, experience, there's always some type of judgment. Um, so let's say this happened to within school, right? I think that's a little bit more applicable. I mean, you can go straight to your counselor or the dean because they have the open door policy, but yet, um, you know, there's things that happen afterwards. Um, with the military, there's a specific reporting way for you to um, provide information of what happened. Same thing with work, they have policies for you to follow. Um, I think the policy is great to have there, but I think what needs to be done is to have that personal touch to the policy, not just saying, hey, there's an open door. I, I do care, please let me know if any you experienced anything. I think what needs to occur at the, simultaneously is you have this policy, you have an open door policy, but actually at the same time, learn about your employees, learn about your students, learn about down, you know, whoever else that the policy applies to, because I think they'll be more willing to talk to you. And you, at the same time, you will know who, um, you will know who, um, you know, you will know who to talk to because that's quite important when you're opening up an opening up about an experience, a very, um, you know, personal experience. Yeah, I think um, what, uh, what I'm hearing and is, is, is building that trust, right? We talk about being a people person. I think mm -hmm. if you're on a campus and you're a student, you, you know, as, as a campus-based professional myself in the past, like, yeah. the former institution I worked at, and really building that trust is something I really wanted to, to do with students I worked with, right? It's taking like an open door policy, but um, building that trust is, is the key thing for them to even want to open up to you, right? Because if you're just a person in a name on a directory, mm -hmm. doesn't mean that the person will feel safe. Um, so thank you for bringing that up. And yeah, I can't to go back to, oh, sorry, yeah, and to go back to like what, you know, how people heal, to tie that in, it's the community and within community, there's trust. And so if, you know, for you, if you place trust within your students, you're also finding a way for them to heal by them opening up. Yeah, um, I wanted to speak on this kind of um, in two parts. I think one way to, make it safer and easier for survivors to come forward is the kind of normalization and acceptance of this conversation as a whole. You know, even in the past, like maybe five years, has this even become something that is so openly spoken about? Um, and, you know, not only spoken about, but I think shaping the way we speak about it and the way we 
validate survivors and the way that we don't pry for details, um, stuff like that, I think is really important on a kind of direct social level. But like Anna was saying, from a institutional level and systemic level, I think there's still so much that needs to change. To speak a little bit on um, an experience that did happen at, on campus. Um, so I was actually in my first year um, hospitalized in the emergency room because of an experience I had at a Greek party. And um, I, again, am not very shaken by it. I don't really find that I'm, you know, scared to go to other parties or mistrusting of other people in the community. To me, the biggest takeaway was the way that the school handled it. Um, so of course I was summoned by the uh, offices on campus and I was, I did attend a meeting with our office where they were supportive and they tried to help me um, understand the experience. And even though that was in a space of counsel and trust, at the end of the day, they still gave me a plan of, you know, how do I fix my drinking habits? And then even though it was, again, them trying to help me out, it still felt like I was in the wrong and that I, you know, oh, I shouldn't have been at the party in the first place. Um, and then on top of that, I had to go to a more disciplinary context of an office. And um, at this point they had, because I was transported by the um, campus police, they had um, followed up with me, had a phone call with me. And at this office meeting, I had found out that they basically put words in my mouth and they had told me that I had answered the phone call from the police department and said that I was so sorry and that it would never happen again. But the truth was that my call got dropped because I was traveling for Thanksgiving. So I couldn't even respond. So I think that was the most um, shocking part of it. And on top of that, they told me about their background check that they did on me and found out that I was a sister of Kappa Phi Lambda and that I was a chairholder and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, Trigger warning, the content you're about to hear depicts Rufi's date rape drugs and over-attempted rape. Why do you have all of this personal information on me, but you have nothing on the suspected person that, you know, put something in my drink? And, you know, separate from the university, I couldn't even get the medical reports to prove that there was something in my drink because the hospital was not communicative. So there's just so many layers of how, you know, aside from the community aspect and um, general societal understanding of supporting survivors, it comes from an institutional standpoint too, where like, thank God my friends took me home and they were able to, you know, do the right thing and take me to the hospital. But worst case scenario, something did happen to me. I don't have confidence that I would have been well supported in the situation. So yeah, there's a lot to be said about ways that things need to change to make it easier for survivors to come forward, because it's clear that, you know, they may or may not, most likely may not be supported when they do. Wow, is all I can say. Uh, I don't yeah. know how to respond to that otherwise. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, yeah, of course. Again, like I really don't feel personally um, jaded by the situation. I think 
the only thing for me is that I wish that this wouldn't happen to anyone else. But of course, I think that's a little bit inevitable seeing as that I'm just one person. And this is how the situation was dealt with from the school and from the medical services. So yeah, I think my only regret is that I didn't pursue the situation further to prevent that happening um, to others. If I could just share real quickly two bits what you had shared, Cheyenne, just about, you know, understanding even just the processes, but also like realizing, I think for me as a, um, as someone that's a survivor of sexual assault myself, it really took me months to realize what had happened to me in the first place and what's and where to report if any, I didn't end up reporting. But I think for me, that really affected me. And it wasn't during college. It was actually as a young, young mm-hmm. professional adult. Um, so I, I, I can speak to that as well in terms of just sharing that it doesn't, isn't just in colleges, but in, you know, it happens mm-hmm. everywhere, right? So. Yep. Yeah. So before we just move on, I, I know that um, I thank you just so much for, for holding this space. I feel very honored and privileged to just share this space with you all. And uh, this part of our podcast, we like to kind of transition to more of a healing affirmation and affirming you all as, as guests to the podcast. Um, I just want to thank you all, um, Jamie, Cheyenne, and Anna, just for sharing your truths, sharing your stories sharing the history of the work that you all do um, that's really often untold. Um, thank you just for your labor, your expertise, your resilience. Um, I just want to thank you and affirm you all for, for being here. Thank you so much for being with us in this space and for really being with us. We appreciate you and how careful you've been with us since, since the start. Um, can't say enough to appreciate the transparency and how, how thoughtful you've been and and for the space to exist, so thank you. Thanks. Um, so this is the fun part now. <laughs> Spotlighting, I know you all like are interested in like giving shout outs to your your fam, your specials, your isms, your pigs, your little, your pleasure, however. Um, I wanna give one shout out real quick before you all go, um, is I wanna just thank Terry Chung, um, who's one of my really yeah, good Terry! friends and alums <laughs> of Capify Lambda for kind of, um, suggesting I talk to and reach out to you all um, as a task force because as we were thinking about this episode I really want to um, so shout out to Terry um, I know she'll she'll be mad if I don't give her a shout out <laughs> so this is a time for you all to just um, you know share um, how did you write your organization why did you join AGO specifically um, what is your nickname when did you were initiated what's your line number and any shouts you want to make so in whatever order or however much you want to so this is all just space for y'all to do that so who wants to start uh i can start uh me i didn't plan to join greek life i think uh, my rush tours were just really good it's <laughs> just like fun thing and like um so I, I joined in the spring and i just like really clicked with my big and then it's trying to merge who is just like super dope um and that, like, I think they sold me when I walked into an event. There was like bubble tea and like popcorn chicken everywhere. I'm like, my people. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. Yeah, right. And then, like, for me, like, I, I didn't realize because I grew up in, in a predominantly like Asian female household. How much I miss being around like that, that female boss lady energy and just like the camaraderie. Um, and that, uh, and that, like, later on, like, joining CAP actually became my introduction into like social justice activism and community organizing. Because um, at the time, 
uh, you know, the DREAM Act was being passed, Obama became president, and so I crossed spring 2009. Um, so then, yeah, my nickname is Enthrall, number 95. Um, and I really love and appreciate that my, my chapter um, at NYU gave me the space um, to step into leadership. Um, and that leadership has transcended to now. So like, like forming and leading this task force. So, you know, also shout out to Terry because also she would feel away. <laughs> and, so, you know, um, and yeah, I really appreciate like her and like being a partner in like making sure like things like this happens. Even the LaRock team, like LaRock task force was a big part of Terry's initiative and her then role in our national board to make sure that it happened. Um, you know, gotta pay respects to the elders now like to shout out to my the top of my twig <laughs> melissa Palomita, <laughs> crystal and all my fam like my littles christy and max and everybody else like Lindsay r jen maggie sam um um definitely shout out to the rock the rock team for all i'm so grateful for all of you for answering the call and for coming through and for folks who also wanted to support um, shouting out to also Mama Days, like Serena, Carmen, Ari, y'all know who you are. I do have a PD side little, like, Ooh. I don't ever say his name. I just call him little, but like Hans, I love you. <laughs> and my Faye Spesh Tiwa. Um, and of course, like, I have to close it out by shouting out my wife, who is also Kappa, Nancy. And I'm really thankful that she wasn't so mad at me at picking up another leadership role. <laughs> I'm like, um, <laughs> she's like, I'm like, I don't know how we do this. Like, I'm like, Hella, hella alum, and she's just like, red. Okay, red. Mm. Love her. Um, and yeah, I again love this and appreciation to y'all, um, Anna and Cheyenne for for being really brave and joining joining this. Um, so yeah, I love y'all. I love you too. Like we're in this. We're all in this together. We're here for this. We're we're here for I think right. You know. Absolutely. Yeah. Show <laughs> me for the jet. Show me for the jet. So like we're going in. <laughs> Um, I guess I'll, I'll go next. So, um, so how basically as how did I find out about Kappa? Um, I think I was second year within my college, within yeah, within college, and really, I, I was just surrounded by a lot of Asian Americans. Really, so give you backstory. Me going into SUNY Albany was my first experience of really being full on like in Asian Asian cultures, different Asian cultures, because of course I'm Filipino and I'm surrounded by Filipino culture all the time. But my exposure really came from when I was in, um, in college, you know, from the different cultures, all the different Asian cultures. So once I got to college, that's when I experienced all like Thai, Viet food, uh, all of the amazing food out there, right? And anyways, away from food. Um, um, so I ended up talking to a lot of sisters, um, especially with Kappas, and I, I grew closer to them. And they helped me in some of my classes and just were just so genuine about, you know, helping out, reaching out, and just very kind. And um, I think that's one of the things that I love about our sorority, we're just so genuine, so real, and we're, we're caring. And no matter where the sister lives, you can reach out to them, even if you've never met them. That's, that's what I love about the sorority. Like, I, 
yeah. So basically, um, I I would end up even meeting sisters halfway across the country. So that's why I love this already. Anyways, my nickname is Ravage. I cross spring 12 and my line number is 46 um, for Upsilon chapter. Um, so yeah, I'm giving a shout out to, you know, well, this is a long list. I gotta think about this. <laughs> really, um, let me see. Okay, wait. Okay, I'll give a shout out to, you know, our LaRav task force. Can I give a shout out to you, Vigor? Because, you know, oh, you help us, you. you know, be the host of this. Yeah. We're pumping up our hands right now. <laughs> listeners. Um, anyways, um, so I want to give a shout out to, you know, um, uh, just other so sisters within um, my chapter that helped me through this. They know who they are. Um, shout out to my little. I hope you're listening. Yeah. Also, my G little. And now I'm a G. What are their names? You gotta, them, you gotta shout them out. What are their names, Anna? Gabby and Lena. I hope you'll be hearing this. I will call you out later. But anyways, um, other than them. And my the rest of my line, I want to shout out to my fiance. Uh, he actually has taken the dogs and the kids outside of the house, so we we could record this. Oh. I don't know if you guys Aww. heard the dogs oh, earlier. Have, real MVP, right? They there. were, yeah, know, right? yeah, yeah. They were just barking, and I was like, I hope they don't hear this. <laughs> so, yep. Oh, that's so nice. I remember seeing your dogs on another one of our meetings. So, <laughs> um, yeah, they yeah, love to sure. come up here in the office. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So my story, um, I feel like this is now becoming a more common story than not, but I came into college not wanting to join Greek life. And I went to a rush event with one of my, or with my sweet mate and I was so pleasantly surprised by the welcoming and community environment that I was met with at the Rush event. And so I'm actually from Malaysia originally. Um, I lived there for 11 years from when I was seven until I graduated high school. And so I didn't know that I was taking for granted the cultural aspects of my life until I was stripped of them and I was no longer going to the street stalls after school mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So. I was really missing that and I was able to find it um, with Kappa's and um, my big definitely was a huge part of that. So first shout out to Amber um, and literally from day one of Rush, I was like, I gravitated to her. I was like, she's queen and I need to know her. So <laughs> um, she's definitely responsible for my follow through of joining Kappa's and uh, more to why I joined. I think it was just a place for me to speak my truth and speak my experiences to people who either shared similar experiences or to educate people about things that they hadn't heard about before. Because I think, you know, Southeast Asia is not a very common kind of uh, nationality in the area. Um, and not a lot of people know exactly what happens there. So it was a lot of fun to kind of share my story. Um, yeah, and my nickname is Opir. I am number 152 at the Zai chapter at Northeastern University. Um, and I cost spring 18. 
um yeah which is pretty pretty young <laughs> this oh, now we're all we're all just like oh, we're sure. uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're great like, though you're so great. like I'll, I'll, I'll hold back on this <laughs> um but yeah definitely shout out to my big uh, my PEs Catalina Park and Emily Miller McGlone they were huge 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 influences on me and they actually had such a huge impact on shaping the way that you know we grew as individuals as independent women and um integrated learning of you know very important concepts throughout our process and it was awesome and shout out to uh, my little i picked up at um, maryland and so she has been an awesome light in my life recently. Um, and her name is Audrey. Her nickname is Jinzu. And uh, yeah, shout out to my class. We are super close, six of us, kind of crazy little, little energy balls. <laughs> um, couldn't be where I am without them. And um, shout out to my eboard who has stuck it out with me throughout this crazy year of operating in a pandemic with the uptake of the Black Lives Matter movement and, you know, our current situation with the Atlanta shooting. You know, they've been by my side through it all and I really could not have done it without them. I probably would have started crying and curled into a ball. <laughs> so um, really, really appreciative and definitely shout out to the Little Rock Task Force for you know, giving me this motivator and drive to do better for the community and do better for our sisters. Yeah, and Jamie and Anna for being here with me and bigger for hosting us. So, yeah. Oh, amazing. I, it's so inclusive and giving me a shout out. It's like, I'm already on this. Like, <laughs> um, so last, before we go to the kind of the last kind of call to action question, any last shout outs? I don't want to get y'all in trouble by anybody. Think about it. <laughs> Uh, popcorn it any any other last i'll minute? probably get so I, i'll probably get something okay it's okay instagram shout outs or stories however so, <laughs> this podcast is kind of be, be is it's really timely i think it's 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 women's history month in march it's sexual assault awareness month in april so i really appreciate again the timing of the not good timing but good timing in that sense um call to action right this is that last piece before we close in a few sentences what would you like our listeners to know or do i think for me the main thing is i hope that this sparks you know further interest and research on your own time i think with all of these topics of, you know, activism and sharing your story, spreading your voice, if I can impact just one person to look into the issue more and look into the matter more, my mission is accomplished. I just want to shed light for one person and kind of, and hopefully that will snowball on its own. So yeah, I think just really sparking further action from the listeners. basically yeah mic drop <laughs> yeah mic drop right there everything <laughs> all you took all the words from my mouth yeah i think that we're good with that, that was, <laughs> yeah
Are you sh- n- no other calls. A- anything else you want to add? <laughs> Did you hear her? Like, you know? <laughs> that was really good. That was really good. That basically like, captured, I think, everything within our discussion and wrap it, wrap it all in one. Oh, that's the blah blah. I guess. I guess that's. I guess that's it. So I think um, I wanted to just. Thank you all so much again for taking time and sharing your wisdom and your your truth with with us and, and the listeners. I, I really appreciate sharing the space with you and being a, a host tonight or whenever you listen to this podcast. So thank you so much.